This podcast is sponsored by Two for All Anchorage. For 45 years, we have allowed the controlling party of the 11-member Anchorage Assembly the power to decide which single district shall receive only one vote, while all other districts receive two. In 2022, the current Assembly will have the opportunity to move the single vote out of District 1 and into a different district, possibly your district. On April 7th, tell the Assembly no thanks to cutting your representation in half. Strip them of their power by mandating all districts are to be equal in population with an equal number of votes by voting yes on 12. Don't risk losing half your representation in 2022. Vote yes on 12 and eliminate the rotating single-member district. Learn more at yeson12anchorage.com. Approved and paid for by Two for All Anchorage, Yes on 12. 7146 Terry Street, Anchorage, Alaska, 99502. Robert Couples Chair, Top Contributors, Pip Printing, Anchorage Education Association, Greg Gallagher, and Cliff Grow. All right, folks, back here in Juno podcast with Tom Wright, quarantine edition. How you doing, Tom? I'm doing fine. How are you doing? I'm doing pretty good. It's a it's a weird time now with all the distancing and it's, it's a whole new world. It's like beautiful day here, not a cloud in the sky, and no one's outside. Hardly. Nope. Uh, there's people out hiking and whatnot, but everyone's been pretty good about quarantining or you know keeping social distance and and whatnot. And I think everyone's a little bit scared about the um covid and what uh what could occur yeah it's it's definitely i think a lot of folks have no, no idea about what's going to happen in the next few months so six months um but i've been wanting to do a podcast with you for a long time and, and yep you have one is because you have that radio voice which <laughs> i mean you should be doing podcasts and you did you did work in radio and i want to talk a little bit about that sure. but for the folks who don't know you've worked in the legislature for a long time you worked for mike chenault for years when he was speaker I've worked for three different speakers, Brian Porter, John Harris, and Mike Chenault. Oh, my buddy John Harris. Give him a shout out. 15 years uh, total in the speaker's office, longer than anybody in the history of the state. And I don't know if that's just insanity or uh, or what. but <laughs> Something's wrong with you. I spent a long time in the speaker's office. I've been with the legislature since 87, a year off here and there. Um, I worked for C.E. Swackhammer was my first job. He was a rep from... Uh, Kenai or from Soldadna, and I went to work for him after he won his race against the only elected libertarian in the country at the time. Who was that? That was Andre Maru, and uh, he was from Homer, and at the time they had split districts. Mike Navarre was one of the reps, and uh, well, two representatives per district, and uh, Swack ran against Andre and won that race, and he liked the job I did. I helped him on the campaign. He liked the job I did, and I ended up working for him. And you know, it's been with the legislature just about ever since. Was a libertarian guy? Was he? He like a lot of libertarians I know are kind of strange people. Was he? Was he one of those? He was different. Let's just put it that way. <laughs> he uh, he introduced something like ninety bills and didn't get one passed. Um, he just had a different view of the world, but you know, it really didn't resonate with the with the district that uh, he represented. There, there was a was it. Dick Randolph and Ken Fanning in the early 80s, they were libertarians. I can't remember if they were libertarian or if they started out as Republicans and switched no, to libertarian. They were, I mean, I think Dick Randolph was the first Repub- mm-hmm. libertarian ever elected to a state legislature. That could be. I heard some stories about the guy Fanning one time. There was a call and he was hiding in, he was hiding in the ceiling for a couple <laughs> days and 
It's wild stuff. The old days, there were a lot of wild things going on, I'm sure. So I want to talk a little bit about, before you were in the legislature, one time, a long time ago, you told me you used to work in radio, and I guess that's why you moved to Alaska, right? That's why I moved to Alaska. I had a job offer. I had two job offers, one doing sports uh, in Columbus, Georgia, on TV, and the other one was coming to Alaska, and uh, we decided at the time, let's go up to Alaska, you know, spend a few years up there, you know, take an adventure, and uh, never left. So were you doing radio? You were in radio before that? I was doing radio at KSRM in uh, Kenai. In, um, but before Alaska, were you doing Before Alaska, yes. I, I majored in communication arts at Michigan State, got my degree there. And uh, I worked, started out in St. Joseph, Michigan, then moved to Lansing, got a job offer up there, and moved to Lansing, did country music for four years, and then uh, moved down while I was taking classes. I was working part-time and doing radio work. and well, you, you, you got the voice for the. You should be doing radio now. You got that deep got a baritone voice. You know, sometimes it's, it, it's really... It's really, um, uh, you stop to think, God, would I like to go back and DJ again? Sometimes I think I would. Did you, know, you, did you have the a, exact same type of voice back then, or has it changed a little bit? Or um, Probably a little bit deeper, but you know, it hasn't changed much. So what year did you move to Alaska? Moved to Alaska in 1981. So you were here just kind of as the pipeline was finishing up, wrapping Well, I guess it was already producing well at that point. The then. pipeline was already built, and... Uh, Jay Hammond was still a governor, and it just shocked me to see a governor wearing a leisure suit. And, uh, <laughs> you know, where I came from, I was considered pretty much, you know, middle of the road. And, um, you know, I got up here and, you know, I was considered, you know, a moderate Republican. So you were here for the, did, did you did you get the first dividend or you probably just missed it? I got the first dividend. Was it a prorated one or was that lawsuit already going, that Zobel deal? Uh, Zobel was already finished. I, if so, I so you got the thousand? Right. I got the thousand. Well, I was looking back. I did the inflation calculator, and that's today's dollars like twenty seven hundred bucks. So that's a lot of yeah, money. That was a lot of money back then. I mean, it was really useful, and um, you know, on, in radio, you don't make a lot of money unless you're in the, you know, in one of the top twenty five markets or so. Yeah, well, I know. It's even now. It's probably then it was not not much, but it's even less now. It's well, yeah, changed so I, much. Could, I can imagine. But um, you know, I worked radio, and then uh, Wildwood was opening up. Uh, the correctional center and they were just converting the housing there to a prison and i got hired to work there you know as better benefits a little more money like a guard yeah as a as a guard oh my god you were i was a correctional officer yes for how long about two and a half years so you had to go through training i assume i went through training um went through the academy that they had was a valedictorian in my class and um you moved you know, to Alaska for radio, and you end up a corrections officer. I know. It, it was kind of strange. Well, I was an MP. I was served in the Army in 71 through 73, and I was an MP Okay, there. so you had a little background. I had some background there, yes. Wow. So there must have been all kinds of characters and getting locked up back then. Oh, it, it was kind of strange because they had uh, inmate work crews who were helping convert the building you know, into a prison, and it was pretty lax at the time. Because uh, these guys were on their honor, of course, nearly still tried to pull little tricks, and that you know we really didn't pay a lot of attention to it at the time. But you know, once the prison got put into place, you know, and the uh, were able to lock the doors and and whatnot, um, you know, it got a little more stricter. Were these guys? Were you dealing with like theft, bank robbery, murder? Nothing. No murders. I mean, at Wildwood, it was a medium facility at the time. Um, 
I don't think I ever dealt with anyone that that actually murdered somebody. Did you ever get anybody ever mess with you ever or get attacked? We or? had a couple of incidents where people got uh, some of the inmates got tanked up on homebrew pruno. That's what we <laughs> call it. Yeah. I've seen and those uh, prison shows. They this talk one about guy uh, decided he was going to be belliger- belligerent and had to take him down. He started spitting, so he put a nylon over his face so he couldn't spit anymore. <laughs> oh my gosh. He spent a little bit of time on the ground until you know they came to take him. We had didn't have segregation cells at the time, so they were taken to the Kenai Jail and housed there until you know until they sobered up and we took him back in and you know had disciplinary hearings and. Um, so you did that for two and a half years, and then did you get into the politics after that? Or well, you- yeah, um, you know I moved around at, at Wildwood and they built the tre- pretrial facility. I went over there, did records. And also uh, did special projects for the superintendent there. Did they call you Officer Wright? They just called me Tom. <laughs> That's the way I prefer it. But um, no, then um, uh, Russ Moody, who's a superintendent at Wildwood, said, "Well, I have a friend that's running for state house, and he needs some help. And I understand that you know you've been involved in politics, and you know you had a lot of classes in politics, which I did." So I went and helped him on the campaign. That's First a, time I ever got involved in a campaign like that. Well, that's a swag hammer guy. That was a swag hammer. So before that, you hadn't actually worked in politics, but you had a background in. Well, school. I had a background, but I I helped Hugh Malone on occasion. I did some radio spots for him, and I know that name. Who's that? Hugh Malone. Hugh Malone was uh, the representative from Kenai, one of the one of the uh, founders of the permanent fund and and the dividend program. Yeah, I've heard that. I've heard that name brought up before. Right. He's 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 kind of a legend around here. Around. Uh, around the the capital he's passed away i assume or passed away a long time ago yes you mentioned i gotta say real quick jay hammond before about the leisure suit um ken dawson used to work with him he was chief right. of staff and he mm-hmm. was telling me the story that i guess when hammond was governor he, he he still flew his plane he was a bush pilot right and i guess he saw a plane and crashed and he's like oh, oh shit and he lands and he basically helped the people saved them flew them out and then i guess a week later he was in dc and carter was president and they were at dinner and carter was near him and said did you i heard you just rescued some people who crashed in your bush plane and he goes he goes they let you fly your bush plane up there when you're governor and he goes half of them encourage it <laughs> yeah no kidding <laughs> so funny he's talking to carter yeah after he rescues people who crashed did you know him much or did you i never got to meet uh uh governor hammond um um, he was only in briefly after I moved up and then it was, it was Sheffield, Sheffield who was yeah. governor and then Sheffield ran into all that problems. I mean, when I first came up here, that's when the coup occurred. So that, that that's people of, you can still watch it on the gavel. They have the, the I, used to, I actually have a recording of it, you know, of the gavel, gavel coverage or the KTOO coverage, uh, of the coup. And it's pretty interesting. Go back and watch. Didn't they lock the doors and only oh, locked the doors. And there was a lot of, uh, a lot of protest after the after uh, Russ Meekins, you know, took the uh, speaker's st- uh, podium, and it was just kind of a, a bizarre time to move up, you know, move up to Alaska with all this occurring. So when you started helping out Swaghammer, what was was you, we basically ran his campaign? Is that what happened? Basically, it's I ended up running his campaign, and uh, uh, we had some help from Anchorage people that wanted to help out. Ashley Reed had just moved up here; he was helping Sheffield, mm-hmm. and um, he also gave me some pointers. And um, oh, so you go back that long with Ashley, huh? Yeah, I do. He's he's got some stories too, Ashley. Oh, I'm sure he does. He'd be an interesting person to do I'm, a podcast. I'm trying to get with. him on the the only lobbyist I've got. Harris did one. John Harris. Right. And, 
I guess as a former official, he might, a lot of them don't want to do it. I did Frank, um, Ferg, Jack Ferguson, but he's mm-hmm. kind of DC guy. Right. I've, I've asked so many of them, and um, Ken Dawson would well, be Well, you one. know, the thing is, there's a lot of history that's developed in our state, and you've got people like Rick Halford. You've got, well, Hammond wrote a book about his uh, trials and tribulations, and it'd be interesting to see more people. Bill Ray wrote a book. Uh, Sheffield, I believe, has one out. Has came out just last year, I think. Right. Hickel has one. But, you know, it'd be interesting to see from the legislature perspective. Yeah, I haven't read Hammond's, but I've, I've read Hickel's The Crisis in the Commons, mm-hmm. uh, that one. But Hick, I should get Hammond. I should read his. Probably Bill Ray's was kind of interesting. Uh, the editing on that was pretty poor. Uh, <laughs> just but it was still kind of interesting. And uh, from people I've talked to, he embellished a little bit, but it was still a good read. So you're doing this whack hammer deal, and uh, did he have was a primary deal or a general or both? Or it was what? general. I mean, the primary there was no uh, no one running against him. So, it was a Republican, a Democrat, and Swack was a Democrat and uh, the Libertarian. So when you after he won, was it like the next day, or was it kind of quickly? It was, it was a little bit afterwards. I I can't remember. Maybe a week, but um, he had to have staff or he was looking for staff and wanted to know if I wanted to come up. And I said, sure. I thought it'd be interesting to do. So you were still in corrections and then you switched to legislature. Right. Wow. That's a big, that's a big jump. <laughs> still kind of a, a place with a lot of crazy people inside, right? <laughs> Buildings, um, <laughs> both. Some places, let's just put it this way. Some places the inmates are in control and some places the inmates are not in control. <laughs> let's just put it that way. So what, what was going on? 87. This is right after the big uh, financial crash in, in the last big financial crash. Oil was down to, I think it was below $9 a barrel. In fact, a sockeye salmon was worth more than a bar- barrel of oil at that time. So you came in, I mean, this is almost similar to, to right now. We're having all these kind of press of oils down, the market's down. What was it like back then in the 80s? Well, they were talking about uh, fiscal planning. I mean, this has been around for a long time, but I remember Kay Brown and SWAC and a few others were talking about, you no, know, we have to have a fiscal plan, you know, for future years. And Kay's still around. She's right. She's with the Democratic Party, if I remember right, or I was. I'm not sure if she's still. She recently was. I don't know right. if she still is, but yeah, she's still involved. But uh, and there were others, but I can't remember who all. But a number of them were involved in trying to come up with a fiscal plan, and uh, that's been going on ever since. You know, ever since I can remember, everyone's trying to come up with a plan. Closest thing we've come to really is the PLMB. Mm-hmm. So there was the troubles in the 80s and people talk about leaving you know throwing the keys and leaving the state the the gulf war happened the price went up after that was it kind of just everything was kind of back to more or less normal no, or? but there were still people who were talking about fiscal planning i mean mike hawker was one you know who um was long-term fiscal plan in fact i think he, had, he headed a special committee to do that mm-hmm. um and there were others in between then but um, you I know, remember it's always talked about, but you know, like I said, until we did the POMV, there's really nothing that's been, you know, instituted. I remember, um, Andrew Halcrow gave me, uh, a Andrew book called, Halcrow was one of those too. It was called the fiscal policy caucus. Mm-hmm. Lisa Murkowski was in on it. It was from 2001, 2002. Mm-hmm. And I got this maybe three or four years ago. And it's, um, it's fascinating because everything in at the time the price was down right. and there was similar problems and everything in that there was a report that they did. It was a big binder mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and all the findings and recommendations are essentially identical, right? Different, different, you know, revenue, tax, income sales, POMV, mm-hmm. any kind of proposal then was, is the same stuff they've been sure. talking about la- now for the last couple of years. Yep. So what happened after the, uh, what's the name? Swack? Swack. Swack, Swack uh, resigned, became the city manager at Homer. 
And um, into his and, first term? No, second term. Second term after okay. a second term, and then uh, um, I got a call. The new legislator was elected, Ivan Ivan from Akiak, Ivan Martin Ivan, and I was asked, if, you know, if I'd be willing to help him out. And so I worked for him for four years. And then was they, um, swack and then this Ivan, were they in the majority or minority? They were in the majority. First time I was in the minority was when, uh, it was four years ago. Wow. So you were always in the majority. Always in the majority. So that was when, when they went to the coalition and Chenault right. went back, went, went to the, the minority. minority. Yep. Wow. That must've been a big switch. It was, it was kind of interesting though. I have to tell you after spending 15 years in the speaker's office, it was kind of, you know, kind of a a stress-free job, so to speak. I mean, you know, the pressure wasn't there. The one thing that Mike emphasized was process and, you know, following the, the, the rules, of the Mason's Manual, the uniform rules. And, you know, I kind of got away from that a little bit uh, during his first term in the minority, and he was always there trying to bring him back. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he was speaker eight years, right? That's the longest, longest speaker. Longest serving speaker in the history of the state. Why, 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 what do you attribute that to? Just being a good, good leader? Because he was a good leader and, uh, you know, common sense and he let people do the job that they thought they had to do. You know, he wasn't, uh, he wasn't, um, uh, he, he gave him a lot of rope. Let's just put it that way. I always like Mike cause he's kind of the guy that, you know, you know, he's speaker, but if you didn't know the guy, you wouldn't, he doesn't walk around this with this kind of. No, he doesn't. Um, and it's really interesting. Uh, you know, we've been to a couple of uh, national speaker conferences. You know, that's where the speakers and their mm-hmm. chiefs go. And, you know, and we separate out, you know, as chiefs of staff and talk about, you know, our jobs and, you know, things we face. And the speakers do the same thing. But you look at some of the other speakers, I mean, the southern speakers in particular, they all have uh, a police escort with them, you know, a trooper escort. And they were talking to Mike about it. Mike said, you know, if I tried to do that in Alaska, they'd laugh me out of state. <laughs> yeah, no, he doesn't at all have any kind of... I mean, most politicians don't have that much of a complex. I mean, there's some that I guess maybe do. No, but, but he, he took himself seriously, but not, you know, not over-seriously. Well, you'd see him, you know, having a drink at the Triangle. you bullshit with him. And yeah. And he, Mike, Mike was a good guy. He was a regular guy. And He uh, was doing... Ra- he's, is he still doing radio? Or he was doing radio for a while. He was doing sound off for a while. I don't think he's doing it anymore. I think a couple, two or three days a week, he was telling me he was... He, he was, was doing it like two days a week. And, uh, he goes, it's really nice to just say whatever the hell I want. <laughs> yeah, and he can just say whatever he wants. And <laughs> it's, it was kind of interesting to listen to him. So this Ivan, Ivan, he, he was a native guy, I assume? He was from Akiak. He was native, uh, Yupik Eskimo, and uh, taught me a lot. I mean, you really don't think about being from an urban area or semi-urban area, mm-hmm. as Kenai is, about what goes on in the rest of the state, especially places where they don't have road access. And I got to visit, I don't know, four or five times you know, out in his area, and it really is an eye-opener, and you really see what... Uh, people out in the rural areas have to go through to exist yeah it's i mean it's just it's like night and day the differences of so much of alaska compared to like i'm you know anchorage and it's just the mm-hmm. issues are so different it was an eye-opener i think it was a good experience for me what what did you who was after that what'd you do after that I'm trying to remember. I think I worked for, I took a year off. Then I worked for Ramona for a year doing oh, special I, projects for Ramona. I, and I, she, I loved working for Ramona. I heard she was tough. She was tough, but she was fair. And, you know, I mean, she called me in a couple of times. She heard that, you know, I was not saying kind things about one of her majority members. And I just said, no, that's not the truth. Here's what I said. And she said, okay, well, I can live with that. <laughs> you know, I mean, with Ramona, you just had to be straightforward. I mean, 
you don't try and uh, bullshit her by any means, but, uh, you know, she was pretty smart, pretty astute, but she definitely ruled, you know, when I, when she made a ruling, it was because she had 21 votes behind her. So what was, I don't know much about her. I mean, there's the room. I know she was speaker. Was she, she got elected. Was she speaker quickly after being elected or was she in there for no, a while? She was in the minority for a long time. And then, uh, um, they took over. They got a couple of Bush people, you know, to go in with them. And, um, she became the first woman speaker and I, I liked Ramona. I really had a lot of respect for her. I know she created a few enemies along the way, but, uh, I never had a problem with her. Uh, well, you were her chief of staff or you were just doing no, projects? I was, I was doing special projects. That was, was the time when they were starting to do, um, different models for welfare. And she wanted me to see what was going on with, you know, other states and, you know, kind of. This is the nineties, I guess, right? Uh, yes. Yes. So, you, so you've been through with Sheffield, uh, a Cooper guy. That Cooper is kind of a blip. I mean, nobody really knows anything about it. You him. know something? I like Steve Cooper. I'm trying to get a hold he of him. Came in, to do a podcast. He came in at a really bad time. I mean, you know, he made some promises during his election, but then the bottom fell out and <laughs> so, he had to say all bets are off. Someone and, told me he got elected and then he said all bets are off. He did say and that. And everybody said, well, f- fuck you, man. Like, yeah. what are you talking about? Well, he had to. I mean, you know, it's the same thing. Uh, you know, the bottom fell out of out of oil. So he, he, of he oil. was um, he was also there during the Exxon Valdez, which. Yes, he was. I remember that day I was sitting in house finance and there was a oh, big, really? big commotion going on. It was. Uh, uh, Friday before Easter, and uh, you know it's one of those times you just don't you know where were you when this happened? Nine like eleven, where I was in house finance when we learned that it. How did uh, you hear? Like a person came in and said yeah, it, we or? just heard it through the grapevine that you know there was a, a oil tanker accident outside of LDs, and then you know of course you start getting more details. And when did you? What, at one point did you realize how bad it was? Uh, probably by that evening. Wow. You know, it's just, and everyone's reacting and, you know, what do we do? And, um, states spent a lot of money as did the oil companies. I know Exxon was pouring a ton. Yeah. That, a lot of folks say that it, was, it wasn't obviously the intention. It wasn't, it wasn't good, but the, the one maybe silver lining there was it, it injected a whole bunch of money into the economy. It put a that, lot of money into the economy, but at the expense of, yeah, of, a lot of, of the ecology. I mean, some of that stuff, I, I'm not sure if it's done, but it, it was still in litigation up to a you know a few few years back. Right, I, I and I didn't follow that that closely. So, so what about what about Hickel second term? What was that? What was Hickel that? was kind of interesting too. I mean, because he was Independence uh, Party, right? He was an independent. Uh, let's see, Arliss Sturjelewski was a Republican, and I can't remember who the Democrat was at the time. But uh, Hickel split off with uh, Jack Coghill, right? And um, it was an interesting four years. I mean, I don't really think there were any what I'd call monumental um, accomplishments during his term. But, you know, he he was at the helm and held things pretty steady from what I remember. It's pretty wild how he was back in the 60s, right? He was governor. And then he was he governor, it. became Department of Interior secretary, secretary of the Department of Interior. I think Nixon got rid of him, right, for the uh, Vietnam stuff? Right. That's my understanding. So so what about, so Knowles was, uh, Knowles is interesting. I think maybe, I just know this because I read it. I wasn't here at the time, but. There was this Lindauer guy who was John this, Lindauer. This, this yep. mafia connection to Chicago, and he was already the nominee. But then they put up Robin Taylor, right? That's I, I don't remember all that, but uh, you know Knowles did win, and um, you know he had an he had an interesting eight years. You know he was dealing with Republican uh, uh, majorities in the House and I believe the Senate at the time, and so you know it was kind of an interesting eight years for him and. 
you know, that's when the pipeline gas line talk started, and, you know, and his way was my way or the highway. Uh, that's what I remember basically from the Knowles administration. Um, but, you know, I, I, I respect, you know, I respected Tony too. So you were, you were at many points chief of staff to different speakers. So you were, I mean, probably in meetings with Murkowski, Palin, I assume, Parnell, all these oh, different folks? Um, some, not all. Um, more so when I was working for Mike, you know, I'd end up going up with him when he had uh, conversations with Governor Parnell or Governor Walker. Um, I did attend some meetings with uh, Governor Knowles. And, um, did you work a lot with Palin or? Not really. She, I uh, have a real interesting story about that. Oh, well, here we go. This is the best time here, to tell Here it. we go. I was uh, <laughs> I can't wait sitting in my office. It was uh, about 6.30 in the morning, and I always liked to go in. It was you know when Palin, yeah, you, after he, she got elected, her second year, I believe. You get you get there early, I noticed. I When I was working for the speakers, yeah, because I liked to go through the emails, and I liked to read what was going on. Well, Jerry Gallagher, who happened to be the alleged liaison at the time, came down, and you know I was reading the Daily News, and I said, do you see this story about your boss? I guess she's going to uh, uh, an abortion rally anti-abortion rally in Fort Wayne. And I said, you know, that's kind of strange because, you know, we're getting ready to end session. You know, it was the final weekend of session. And he <laughs> said, no, our... I didn't know that. And so I, you know, printed off a copy of the of the article and, you know, put one on my boss's desk just so he had an uh, a idea of what was going on and didn't think anything more about it. Well, the next morning I'm sitting in my office and it was about 8.30 or so and I hear... Joel Lounsbury, who was working for us at the time, Joel Lounsbury and Jennifer Strickland, or, or uh, excuse me, uh, Tira Smith, Tira McKinnon. Oh, yeah, I like, I like her. Anyway, I hear Joel say, well, good morning, Governor. You know, and he did that a lot. And I'm just thinking, well, Joel, who are you bullshitting now? And then I heard, <laughs> well, is Tom Wright in? And I said, I recognize that voice. Oh, man. So I got up, and she met me at, you know, at the at my office door. And says, well, I hear you're passing out... Um, propaganda about me leaving and i said what i said propaganda i said the only thing i did was give your alleged liaison a story that was in the daily news if that's propaganda i don't you know we have a different view and so anyway she goes on and says well do you have a problem with me going i said governor i could give a damn less if you go or not i don't work for you you have your own schedule to keep and i am not you know i don't have any reason to to say you should or shouldn't go. But I said, I will tell you one thing. There's a lot of detractors out there who will take advantage of this and call you on it, especially with it being the last weekend in session. And she said something to the effect, well, I'll have my phone with me. And I said, Governor, you're missing the point. (laughs) The problem is you're not going to be here. She says, well, I have my phone. I'll be in communication. I said, again, Governor. This is all in the speaker's office? This was in, in, you know, in my office. And I said, people are going to, you know, criticize you for it. Oh, yeah. And she said, well, you know, so be it. I'll still be in communication and left. And uh, I told Mike about it afterwards. Mike said, well, I wish I was around. I said, you know, Mike, I didn't even think about it. I should have just told her to go talk to you. But it just kind of took me by surprise that she was there. Did she go to it? And next day, yeah, she still went. But the next day she's in the hallway and... uh I walked by her. She was sitting in the second floor where all the all the uh, benches are. Oh, like lobbyist bench area? Yeah. yeah. And she says, well, good morning, Tom. <laughs> you know, like... Like, she, like nothing happened. I mean, she must have thought about this all night because she had her... She went directly 
from her, you know, from the mansion to my office. Her coat was still on. <laughs> I just oh thought it was. Gosh. I just thought it was kind of funny. It, it was one of those things that propaganda. Yeah, I was <laughs> passing out propaganda. <laughs> you probably got a million stories like that. Oh, not really. I mean, you know, that that was one of the weirdest ones that you know I've encountered by far. So you, you were there. I mean, you were there during all the all the Vico stuff, right? Um. Yes, I was. In fact, uh, I was notified by the FBI because I was in room whatever it was at one time with Mike. We went up there. Bill Allen and Mike were personal friends. Oh, wow. Were you on like the FBI tapes or? Um, yeah, we didn't say anything. I do remember uh, Rick Smith saying, well, I was working for Harris at the time saying, well, you know, where's your boss at on this stuff? And I said, Rick, I don't know. You need to come up and talk to him. Oh, good, yeah, good answer. And I just said, you know, if, if you want to talk to him, I'll try and get the appointment set up. But I said, you know, I, you need to talk to him because I, I just don't know. And even if I did know, I wasn't going to say, you know, it wasn't my place to do so. And, you know, I got to thinking about it afterwards, you know, being, uh, you know, somewhat seasoned at the time. I could see where a new staffer could fall into that and say, oh, yeah, I'll help you. I'll help you, you know, because they were major contributors. Yeah. Oh, I'm, and I'm sure. And, you know, you always try to, you know, just because you're a major contributor doesn't mean that you're going to vote the way that person wants you to, but it does mean access, at least, you know, used to. Mm-hmm. And um, I just told him, I said, you know, if you want to talk to the speaker, I'll set up the appointment, but that's all I'm going to, you know, that's all I can do. No, I think you're totally right. You get somebody who's maybe new or hasn't had a lot of oh, experience. I, and I start, could just, I could just see that start, happening. We make a deal. <laughs> but, you know, I was notified that I was on tape and, you know, I had audio recording. So did Mike. Were you there when the, the did, as I understand, the feds kind of showed up one day, right? In the- I wasn't in the, no, I was back in uh, district by then when they showed up. Yeah, I moved here in 04, and that happened, what, 0, I guess 07, I 06. think so. I mean, so I, I was young. You know, just, it's funny, Jeff, how all these years just kind of glom together after a while. I had just moved here. I've been here for a couple of years, and I remember just, you know, it was like, it was incredible. It was just everywhere, everywhere mm-hmm. you looked in the news for months. It was, it was, um, it was, a, it was an amazing time. It was an amazing time, and, um, you know, I, I just kind of shook my head you know when all this stuff was going on and said i hope you know i hope they get this cleaned up because uh believe it or not the institution is very important to me protocol the decorum and uh this tarnished the institution yeah no i mean I've, this is my second session and i absolutely from from my perspective you can kind of when you're in there and the chamber or the speaker house or the senate mm-hmm. you can feel it's a very important place and there's a serious well it is but, you know i've always had the i've always had the feeling that you know, the, the legislators need to respect the institution, respect, you know, the protocol, respect the decorum, because otherwise, how are you going to get the public to respect the legislature? Mm-hmm. What, what, um, how much different is it, you know, now the last couple of years with this, with his money problems compared to 10 years ago when there was a lot, I mean, there was a lot of money before the price well, it was 150 at one point almost. Mm-hmm. And, Money was kind of pouring in. It must be, obviously, it must be more, you much know, more I've difficult. I've gone through now. so many boom and bust cycles, uh, you know, at least two or three, you know, during my time in the legislature. And this bust cycle isn't really much different than any of the others. You know, what are we going to do for revenue? How are we going to, uh, I mean, the one thing that's different is they finally started tapping the earnings, you know, the permanent fund. Right, and PM, for a while, PM, that right? was that was uh, sacrilegious. You just could not do that. That'll probably go down as, as Walker's big big kind of thing that's what he kind of was pushing for and 
Legislators were too, but there were some legislators at the Lisa, time. But... Lisa McGuire was kind of pushing for that before that was a big right. main, mainstream topic. Mm-hmm. There was a number of them who were, and uh, you know. But truth be known, we've been using part of the earnings, uh, you know, not to the magnitude that we're using now, but we were using part of the earnings for some of the exploration or some of the things we were doing in natural resources, mm-hmm. Department of Natural Resources. So one thing I've noticed, and I'm I'm pretty new to my second session, but I've run it for office a couple of times. And a lot of folks, including myself, before I really understood things, they talk about term limits and they talk about get them out of there, get new people. And I was going to ask what you think. My, my kind of observation is when you get a lot of new people, you, you lose a lot of not only just knowledge, but ability to kind of function. Well, you, you have to learn the, where the bathrooms are, first of all. I mean, that's the old saying. Yeah. But and that's actually not easy because they, they change every floor, men, women. <laughs> yeah, so, you know, you, you're on the wrong floor. You, oh, you know, I still find bathroom. myself, having worked on the second floor for a long time, I still find myself, you know, working on the first floor now, going to where the bathrooms used to be on this, you know, where we're on the second floor. All of a sudden, I'm going, well, that's Garen Tarr's office. Man, I need to turn around. Yeah, it's weird how they rotate it, yeah. the, the corner bathroom. It's every floor different. It is. But, uh, um, you know, term limits, we've got term limits. I mean, if people want to exercise it, if they don't like somebody, go out and vote and vote against them. Um, if you look at the house, the house has had a lot of turnover. I mean, it, it's last, last time they had, um, I think it was 12, 12, 11 or 12. It was a lot. It was, it yeah. Was I mean, most of the time over a two or four year period, it's going to be around 20%. Uh, very few people stay around. I mean, Chanel stuck around for a long time, but decided that he didn't want to run anymore. And that happens to a number of them. It seems like, and I don't want to say any names, but it seems like some people, they, they just, they get so addicted or, um, used to be in there. They, they, they try to stay no matter what. That's all they want to do is stay. Well, and you know, again, uh, their constituents like them, then, you know, they should stay. You know, if that's what they want to do, uh, it just depends how effective you are. If you're not effective, chances are you're not going to get elected. Well, I appreciate you doing the podcast time. This has been pretty, pretty incredible. Love the Palin story. Yeah, that was, that was a good one. And I, you know, I was just trying to think, I really didn't have any other encounters. Uh, I remember once with Governor Knowles, I was working for Ivan and Ivan took on teacher tenure and uh, he vetoed it. And uh, so we introduced it. I've been introduced it again after Governor Knowles did a put a task force together, and we took some of the recommendations and incorporated, and some we didn't. And he called Ivan up, and I w- went up with him, you know, to talk about the bill and stuff. And Ivan was leaving, and Governor Knowles looked at me and said, "Work, you know, would you, you know, work with me on this, would you?" And I said, "No, I work for this guy," <laughs> and left. <laughs> He's still around. I really don't see him too much, but I used to see him at uh, Noosa Guy once in a while, Tony mm-hmm. Knowles. I haven't seen Governor Knowles in a long time. I tried to get a podcast with him, and somebody reached out to him, and this is last year, and he responded and said, well, I'm kind of maybe later or something, and hope, hopefully I'll agree to do it. He'd be a good one. Yeah, well, he would be a good one. What, what's your So your plan, you're heading out pretty soon? Cause I am heading out uh, Sunday morning. Have, have you ever been in a situation like this COVID thing, obviously it created a lot of no. quick, quick pressure to get the budget done, but it's still technically kind of in session, but they're like an extended recess. So have you, has that ever happened before? Not that, not that I can remember. It's uh, interesting. They can't fundraise because they're no, still in they session. No, they can't fundraise. I mean, you know, they, they, uh, their opponents can, 
Yep. But, uh, you know, they're not, their opponents aren't elected, but, uh, no, there's no fundraising, but you know, there's never been fundraising. You know, we've typically gone over 90 days. Um, I was looking back at, uh, Mike wanted to know one time, you know, what during his term as speaker, how many times we went over and we were pretty close to 90 most of the time. Last four, four or five years, it's been really, I mean, that one, that well, one last year was such an anomaly with a new governor and, uh, you know, different, different approaches and different perspectives. It was, uh, kind of interesting. I was in Australia. Oh yeah. Well, there was the Wasilla deal and the Wasilla deal and the deal down here. And, um, I was in Aust- it was a strange time. I was in Australia in 17, but I know that was one of the ones where they had 200 and some days a session with all the special sessions. And mm-hmm. I know some of the folks who just got elected in 16 were like, fuck, I didn't sign, you know, sign up for this is, I know it was, was way too much. it was a tough time. Like what year was that? That was 17. Yeah. Yeah. Cause I remember I was in Australia, but I was still following stuff. Yep. And I remember it was like three or four special sessions. And I think it was 215 or 16 days total. That could have been, I mean, it was, it was a lot of time. And you know, I, uh, for the last special session in in that year, I commercial fish also I, out of cook inlet. Uh, I have a drift gill net permit. And so I got to miss some of those because I was out fishing, mm-hmm. you know, I take leave for the month and, and, uh, that's what I focus on. But, uh, you know, you still, have an ear to the ground and you still, you know, Mike was calling me all the time saying, well, here's where we're at now and just kind of keep me up to date. That's one thing I really liked about Mike. And, um, you know, he really kept me informed as to what was going on. Not that my other bosses haven't, but, uh, when I went to work for Brian Porter, for example, okay, Brian, what do you guys talk about in caucus? And so he'd tell me. And after about the second or third time, when I asked him, you know, after another caucus, he said, you know, I never had a staff that was interested in what went on in caucus. And I said, well, Brian, I'm that's your chief, the, of, I'm your chief good, of staff. And I said, I need to know what's going on so I know how to operate. That's where all the decisions, a lot of the decisions get Well, made he made me sit in on caucuses, and I hated it. So how does that work? I mean, some staff do it, but it's kind of up to the It's up to the, it's speaker. Up to the speaker, but, you know, some people aren't going to be as forthcoming, you know, if there's a staff in there. But uh, Brian insisted I sit in and... I don't know if anyone's done it since then. I, I never did it again after that, you know, after that first year. Um, but, you know, it's just, it's kind of an interesting dynamic. And um, would I do it again? No, I wouldn't. I'd love to just watch one of the, especially now with that coalition. I mean, you got people with very, well, very there broad was times, views. There were times when I was sitting in and it started to get a little personal and I walked out. That was none of my business. Yeah, it's probably, it's probably a smart move. Well, like I say, I wasn't there to... Uh, you know, listen to the different personalities uh, uh, go at one another. But uh, uh, I was there just, you know, keep track of what was going on so I knew how to operate. That's what Senator Coghill always always tells me. He was like, just just t- stick to the issues, not the personalities. And, well, but sometimes that personalities can't be avoided. Well, it's, I mean, it's politics. It's right. all about personalities exactly. sometimes. So last thing, uh, I mean, what's your kind of, it's up in the air with this COVID situation, but is there some possibility they come back at some point to deal with, I know there's some outstanding, like the alcohol bill, maybe vetoes. Um, I think, I mean, if uh, I don't know all the inner workings, you know, what's the conversations are between the presiding officers and the leaderships, but it would be my guess that, you know, they'll come back down here and sign a die 
you know, call a technical session and sign a guy. It'd be really hard to get everybody back here, especially unless this well, COVID stuff changes because of the know, quarantines. And with the quarantines and everything else going on, I mean, I'd just call a technical session and sign a guy out. So for that, you just need like two, pe- two people in each you body, need, right? You should have three. You know, the minority leader, majority leader, and the, the presiding officer. So so they can technically keep this recess going until day 121, right? Mm-hmm. Which is May, but then there's the issue of the fundraising for some of the folks who well, have, I you know, mean hard that's races. an issue they need to talk to the presiding officers about. But um, who ultimately decides the pres- presiding officers or well the caucuses? I think pretty much do. You know, say enough's enough. Let's let's just get this over with. So April, I mean, we're coming up mid-April. Will be ninety, I guess, mm-hmm. towards April twentieth or about something. Another like couple that. weeks. Well, I'll be I'll be watching, and you're you're taking off, or you're going back to. I'm going back to Kenai. I gotta say, folks, if you follow Tom on Facebook, uh, Winston's here, and I just love this. <laughs> I just love this dog. It's such a good dog. He is a good dog. He's a great traveling companion, and I wouldn't trade him for the world. I remember when you got him on Facebook. The little he was a puppy. He was a, he was he left here in Juneau last year at forty pounds, is what he weighed when we left, and he's close to ninety now. Yeah, he's, he's a, yesterday he was having a good time running around. Well, you were kind of egging him on a little too. I like well, he, he, he liked it. Well, Tom Wright, I appreciate you doing the podcast. I've been trying to get you for uh, over a year now, so finally. Well, I hope it, you found it interesting. It, it took a quarantine, but we got you. Well, and I we are, we it. are. I got to say, we are distance. We're very. We are keeping our social distance. We're very distance. I think you're always distance from. from. <laughs> <laughs> I keep my distance from everybody. Okay, Tom. Well, I really appreciate it, and uh, have a safe trip back to uh, the Kenai. Thanks, Jeff. And it's been a pleasure. Yep. All right, folks. Uh, if you have an idea for a podcast or want to do a podcast get a hold of me and stay tuned for the next one Let's